Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Dig City, a Purdue volleyball podcast. I'm Daniel Gilman, the voice of the Boilermakers, alongside the head coach of Purdue volleyball, Dave Shondell. Coach, how was your uh, your New Year's Eve and you know the uh, the the saying goodbye of 2020 and the welcoming of 2021? Well, it's been pretty calm. Um, my wife Angie and I have been trying to just. Uh, hunker down, I guess, a little bit and uh, not be out and about too much. And it was a unique Thanksgiving and a unique Christmas where we didn't have uh, any of those grandkids or our own kids around. So we'll make up for that as soon as uh, this thing breaks and uh, we can get back out. So we're excited, uh, you know, about what what's to come. But, uh, you know, right now our focus is on, you know, Purdue volleyball. And this is um, a much anticipated season in our league, as tough as it's going to be. Uh, but everybody's going to have their own set of, of concerns and issues moving forward. And as I said from the, the outbreak of this virus, that the, the, the teams or organizations that manage this the best and find, uh, find ways to be positive and productive and effective are going to have the best chance for success. And, and you know, have we done that? Uh, I don't know as well as everybody else because I'm not in everybody else's gym but I know that we've done as best as we can do. And uh, we're in a good position right now moving forward and just excited uh, you know, for January 22nd to arrive. But until then, um, we're gonna try to you know, coach them up and, and train as hard as possible. Well, for Purdue Volleyball and all Big Ten Volleyball fans, Santa came about a week later than Christmas because the schedules are out. There's finally some dates to get excited for. January 22nd has been a loose, you know, circle date for the last couple months for us and for most volleyball fans, but now it's official. If you haven't seen it, you're in the right place. This is the schedule release episode of Dig City. So we'll be going week by week from January to April, completely encompassing Purdue Volleyball's race back to the NCAA tournament, hopefully back to the Sweet 16 and maybe a little bit further. And it's not gonna be easy to start coach possibly the number one team in the nation, probably a top three team where Purdue will set their sights up to the UW Fieldhouse January 22nd, January 23rd, headed to Wisconsin, a team that has lost a couple players. They said goodbye to Madison Duello, Tiffany Clark, Emmy Dodge, but really they are locked and loaded. They added a few transfers and, uh, and they added a few star, uh, star freshmen to go along with Dana Redke and, and the usual crew that we see when we head up to Madison. Well, the Badgers will most likely uh, be ranked first or second in the poll when it comes out. They uh, finished runner-up a year ago to Stanford in the NC2A tournament. They have much more back than what Stanford. Stanford you know, graduated that great class that won three national championships uh, while they were there. Uh, the Badgers will have uh, a veteran cast of characters, a lot of seniors on that roster that have, have been there, been through the, the wars of the Big Ten. And they're gonna be really, really hard to handle for anybody this season. And, uh, you know, we, we just were fortunate to get them first and get them on their home court. So, uh, but we're, we're, we are really excited about the opportunity. And uh, we, we feel like our team will be um, very solid. We also are experienced. We don't have nearly as many seniors as what Wisconsin does, but we have a, uh, a KG group that's been around for a while. And, uh, you know, we're, we'll look forward to it, but Wisconsin will be tough with, with two 
of the five or six best outside hitters in the league, uh, banging balls on the outside with two of the best middles in Recky and Hart uh, running behind and in front of the setter. Uh, maybe, maybe the best setter in America in Hilly uh, running the show, uh, a great uh, libero in Barnes. So they, they will have to fill, maybe, you know, plug a couple holes, but um, they've got a lot of talent. And as you mentioned, a, a tremendous freshman class that, that has uh, come in this year that was ranked very, very high. And so uh, Sheffield's in a good place. He's got to be feeling awfully good about life right now. And so you do mention, you know, lucky to face them in the first game before, you know, maybe they get into a groove. Last season, um, Wisconsin struggled at home in the, the pre-conference season against a pair of teams that we played in Marquette and Baylor, a uh, pair of losses at home back in, in September before Purdue went to Wisconsin and, uh, and, and really, uh, really struggled dropping it in three sets. But coach, let me ask you a question here, because for those that are wondering, wait, you play Wisconsin on Friday and Saturday, the new, the biggest change I would say to this COVID altered season, moving it to January is also the fact that you will be playing the same team every weekend in a bit of a baseball style series that multiple sports are using NBA. I know that um, all college volleyball has pretty much taken this as their, their 2021 strategy as it comes from a coach's strategy, is this a, an advantage or a disadvantage from a preparation standpoint? Good question. I'll get to it in just a minute, but I want to clarify. I was being sarcastic about the fact that we were lucky to be playing Wisconsin to open the season in their gym, first of all. And, um, and then uh, uh, I forget what my other clarification was, but, uh, oh, that we struggled up at Wisconsin last year, you mentioned. And we really did not struggle. We actually played pretty well. We were up uh, in game one. I think we were up maybe 22 to 19 in the first set, and we were up 20 to 16 in the second set. And uh, the second set, I think, went 29-27 in their favor. Uh, the third set, we, we did not play as well and, and got our lunch handed to us in the third set. But uh, we've proven in, in the last couple of seasons that we can match up um, fairly well with, with a team like Wisconsin. Uh, we, we just have not been able to, you know, ring the bell at the end of each particular set. So we'll work on that. But as far as the schedule is concerned, um, the purpose of going to this, as you call it, a doubleheader, a twin bill, uh, using some baseball terminology, is that it's, it's safer for our student athletes, first of all, that instead of playing Wisconsin and then getting on the plane or a bus and then and heading to Minnesota and getting into a different hotel and going to a different venue and playing against different athletes, um, you're, you're limiting the amount of opportunities for infection of this COVID-19 by going to one hotel, uh, one trip, one venue, playing against one team. So that's the, the biggest reason we're doing that. The second biggest reason is from a fiscally sound standpoint that not everybody has a lot of money right now in the Big Ten. It's been a tough year for every athletic department in the country, and the Big Ten is, is just like everybody else. So for us to limit the cost of travel by playing at the same place, and not having that trip in between um, that sometimes could could be a flight that might cost you $15,000 to take uh, your team their charter. Um, this is a good decision uh, for all of us. As far as uh, you know, strategy involved in it, um, I kind of like it, to be honest. The, one of the things I, that I, I think is toughest on players and coaches in the Big Ten is having to prepare for two top 20 teams on back-to-back -back nights. In this case, it would have been Wisconsin and Minnesota, so you might say two top five teams on back-to-back -back nights. 
And uh, everybody is tough in our league. There's no, there's no easy out in the Big Ten. So you're, you, there's a lot of stress involved in that uh, process of preparing most of the week for one team and then playing them on a Friday and then having, you know, 19 hours, including sleep time, to get your team ready to play another really solid opponent and traveling at the same time, you know, whether that means you know, on a bus or uh, on a plane and checking into a new hotel and all that goes along with that. So I think by, you know, in this case, playing Wisconsin on Friday, going back to the same hotel, getting back there at a decent time, uh, maybe starting, you know, some uh, adjustments from the match you just played, but you're not going to reinvent the wheel. And I think that will be a little bit easier for um, our coaches um, and our team. Nothing will be easy with the teams we're going to play, but as far as the, the actions that you're taking, uh, it, it might be a little more routine than what we're, what we're used to uh, in the Big Ten. Coach and I went into detail about this, this new change in a previous episode, so you guys can go back and listen to that. But from um, an outside standpoint, I was explaining this to a non-volleyball fan. And the fact that you guys, for however many years it was done where you had this back-to-back, there is no equivalent in any professional sport. And these, those are you know adults professional athletes who don't have to prepare for a back-to-back against two teams in a way that college volleyball players had to. So to change over to this should make things a little bit, I would say more competitive even in the second match, because now you get a little bit of a, a, a back-to-back, a rivalry kind of s- format of sorts where you play them on Friday, you get to make adjustments, and then you play them again on Saturday. And, and speaking about Wisconsin, you talk about the two freshmen, Devin Robinson, the 14th ranked recruit, Jade Demps, the 13th ranked recruit. They also added a transfer outside from Pepperdine, Deanna Kraft, and a DS from Wichita State in Georgia, Savita. And so that is the Wisconsin Badgers who Purdue starts the season with on the road. Then the Boilermakers will come home to the friendly confines of Holloway to face Iowa on January 29th and 30th. Iowa, a young team with a head coach in Vicki Brown, who was a bit of an interim last year. Now she'll have what seems like, you know, a first season really under her belt, four and 16 in the conference last year for Iowa. And they've added a few freshmen as well. They said goodbye to their setter, Bree Orr, along with Greer Hughes and Megan Bazario. But coach, it, it has to be nice to see back-to-back weekends with Iowa and Minnesota, both at home after starting the season on the road. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think people need to understand that the Big Ten has had four months already of training. Uh, normally we have two and a half weeks and we play our first non-conference match. Here we've had a tremendous amount of time to be in the gym. So, you know, everybody should be prepared. Obviously they had a, everybody, most teams had a long break for Christmas, four or five weeks. And then they came back after the holiday and, and they're going to have maybe three weeks to get ready. Uh, there were, are some teams that stayed over Christmas and got extra reps. I don't know at the end of the end of the day, if that's going to be a positive or not. I kind of like the fact that our kids went home and they enjoyed time with their family, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then came back after uh, that time uh, to get back in the gym. We've, we've looked fresh um, so far. We've had one, one day of practice, two practices, but I was, was pleased with what I saw from our team during that stint. So uh, Iowa is a team that, has played us tough uh, traditionally, a lot of five set matches, as you can attest to uh, during your stay at, at Purdue, but they, they, they're going to be a little younger than the average Big Ten team. They had three players opt out, uh, not just graduated, but they opted out of playing 
their senior campaign. And uh, so that, that either means they've got some younger players that are earning those spots or are going to have those spots or, or something. But uh, we'll be ready, you know, for Iowa when we get that chance to play them. I don't know who they open up with. I don't have the master schedule in front of me right now, Daniel. But um, we will be ready for everybody that we play because we've been through this now going into our 18th season where every, every team can beat you if you don't play well. And playing them back-to-back -back nights is going to even uh, make it more important that your team is mentally engaged for every contest. Iowa starts at home against Illinois. Um, but you mentioned young, young players, and we're going to see, you know, a bevy of them in the first three homes, not homestands, but first three series of the season, because Wisconsin and Minnesota are one of 30 schools that have three top 50 recruits. And so let's talk a little bit about Minnesota, a trip to the final four last season, swept by Stanford in the national semifinal, 27 wins for Hugh McCutcheon's squad. And it seems like the the good teams rebuild the best teams reload and so minnesota said goodbye to taylor morgan alexis hart a pair of bombers on the middle and outside and they added katie myers a familiar name that you big 10 fans might be a little bit uh wary of hearing katie myers with the kill because the middle from maryland first team all region made the move over to minnesota and so myers will be there along with the returners like adiana uh excuse me adriana rollins and uh, Stephanie Samity, along with uh, a fantastic back row there up in, in Minneapolis. Well, Samity is one of the most prolific players that will be playing in the Big Ten this season. Now, finally, a senior, uh, maybe a senior for two years, possibly, if, if she uh, follows the protocol that the NCAA has provided uh, for players this year, where it's going to be basically a free year, where it won't count uh, against their, um, their tenure. But uh, she's she's outstanding. I thought she was a little bit um, down last year. I think the setting was was different. You know, she had played with a great setter for a long time. Swenson had ran the show while she was there her first two years. Last year, I didn't think she was quite as sharp, but uh, now they've got uh, a couple different setters coming in, including the freshman out of Newcastle. That's uh, going to be, I'm sure, will be handling some of the setting responsibilities. But but they're, they're freshmen. Uh, may not contribute as much as some other programs in the Big Ten because they've got enough talent there that great freshmen just don't go up, show up and play right away. Uh, they've got other good players there in, in as you mentioned, a transfer by like Myers. She was just what the doctor ordered for Hugh McCutcheon. Uh, Hugh McCutcheon, the coach at, at Minnesota, who is, was Olympic coach for both the men and the women and uh, won a gold medal and a silver medal during his stint with the U.S. national team. And he doesn't have a problem attracting players um, to come to his program. He, he right now is, is recruiting as well as anybody in the nation. And um, so keeping up with, uh, with the McCutcheons, I guess, is, is not easy. But, you know, we're doing the best we can and feel like we've uh, recruited re really well also. And uh, hopefully our veteran players will, will make a difference. But getting Minnesota at home was, was a plus. That was one of the things when the schedule came out to, to see them at our place uh, was good because if we want to have the kind of season that we're working towards, uh, beating the best teams in the league are going to, is going to have to happen. And you're talking about Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, Penn State, and we all get them relatively early in the campaign. I was going to say two of the first teams, Final Four, appearances last season, but for Minnesota, Purdue will be their first NCAA tournament team from 2019 that they will face. They started home against Michigan State and then go to Maryland before a nice little gauntlet for the McCutcheon clan with 
Purdue, Penn State, Nebraska, Michigan, Ohio State. So they've got a fun little middle part of the season as Purdue will then head Valentine's Day weekend up to Ann Arbor, a place that I think uh, I think they've gone to and we've gone to the last three years. It seems like Ann Arbor, Rutgers, a couple of those uh, those spots always seem to be circled on our away schedule. And so going to Michigan, always a fantastic battle. I mean, we we highlighted with Caitlin earlier in, in this offseason the the intense five setter on the week of Thanksgiving, Michigan, a team that went 21 and 11, 13 and seven, just behind Purdue in the big 10. They swept Northern Kentucky in the first round, but was swept by Kentucky in Lexington in the second round. And coach talking about a team that is really going to have to reload. Michigan said goodbye to Mackenzie Welsh, Natalie Smith, and then a couple outside hitters, Wetterstrom, um, Glavinich, and they only returned three players that have played 50 or more sets played, and that's Paige Jones, Jess Robinson, and May Protofsky, three very, very talented young players. So it'll be interesting to see what the Rosens have in store when we head up to Ann Arbor. See, my perspective on them is a, is a little bit different, maybe because I know who some of their uh, incoming players are and um, how strong, as you saw last year, uh, Paige Jones is. But Paige Jones, an all-Big Ten player on the left side, will lead the way. They also pick up the number one ranked recruit in the country in uh, Jez Merzik, right out of uh, the state of Michigan. So their left side punch, one-two punch, will be one of the best in the league, if not in the country. Um, Obviously, with Robinson, a physical specimen in one middle spot, and then uh, Pertovsky, who played it the first time we saw them at our place, but did not play because of Mono, uh, up at, at in Ann Arbor, she's really special, really, really special. So uh, in my opinion, they've got four high-level athletes. And then Shannon, uh, Kiara Shannon did not play much for them last year, but started the year before when we saw them. And so she is back. The key for them is going to be setting. They've got a couple of new faces, Scotty Johnson out of uh, the Columbus, Ohio area, and then a, a junior college transfer, uh, actually from Berlin, Germany that uh, we'll, we'll be fighting out for the setting situation. So that's going to be the real key for them. And, and uh, I think that Michigan will be a, a really, really hard team to beat uh, with, the, with their ball control and their, and their weapons they're going to have offensively. A really good offensive team if their setters can step in and, and run the show for them. Also a, a familiar face for those that follow Lafayette High School Volleyball. Brooke Humphrey, a freshman defensive specialist, the uh, Lafayette Journal and Courier Player of the Year from McCutcheon and uh, Circle City. She's one of the freshman additions. So then after Michigan, Purdue comes back home. They will face Northwestern on February 19th and 20th. Northwestern, a team that is very talented, probably one of the most exciting freshmen from last season, Coach. And, you know, once again, our our opinions are not always aligned. So I'd love to hear your opinions on Temi Thomas-Ailara because the two matches that we saw her play in last year, she jumped, heck, I mean, I don't know, but maybe 10, 11 feet up in the air, it feels like, when Tom, when Temi Thomas was was getting a set to her. Well, Temi is clearly one of the best volleyball athletes in the nation. Um, you, you know, you don't have to be a, a volleyball coach to recognize that she's got special uh, volleyball skills uh, when, when, when you see her warm up. But she was a player that we finished runner-up to in recruiting. We, as a matter of fact, we felt like we were in pretty good shape. Uh, recruited her really, really hard, came down to us in Northwestern, and, and uh, she's from Chicago, and uh, she opted to stay a little closer to home. But 
they've got a lot of really good, good, talented athletes. And I felt like uh, two years ago was a year that they had a lot of injuries and a lot of sickness last year that they just couldn't win as many as, as I thought that they would. I mean, I felt like they were a better team than what their record indicated, both non-conference and during the conference. But um, they'll, they'll return a lot of the same players they had. They've, they've got, a, I think, a top 20 recruit and a setter. Uh, Rousseau out of Michigan, a lefty, about six foot three. So they're, they're in good shape with her. Uh, Cannon, another player that we recruited a little bit, did not play last year because she had an injury. She's back, a gifted athlete that can play on the left or the right side. So I'll be shocked if they don't step up in the, in the rankings this year of the, of the Big Ten and the standings. I, I would be shocked. I just think that they've got enough um, weapons and uh, are well enough coached that I think that this is going to be the year that they, they make a little bit of a move. I agree. Nice upperclassmen combo, too, with Alana Walker and Nia Robinson, a pair of seniors, along with the transfer from Nebraska, a defensive specialist, Megan Miller from Alexandria, who seems to always dig everything that Purdue sent her way when, when the Boilermakers played Nebraska the last two seasons. And so as we, we talk a little bit more about the style of this schedule, we reach the halfway point of the season, and every team will play a home-and-home home against their traveling partner quote unquote. And so for Purdue, that's Indiana. And coach, I think that works out perfectly. I'm not sure if um, who makes the decisions and, and whoever decided this would be the, the way this year. I think it's a great call. Have a game at Bloomington, February 23rd, Tuesday, come back home to face them on Saturday, February 27th. Monung will be on the line, of course, that week. And it's, it's always nice to, you know, split up whatever you would you might consider unfair because if you played two at indiana or two at purdue some people might complain either way no they 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 made the right move with the quote travel partners to to play them home and home so that um everybody gets to to host one of those now this year it's not going to be packed houses like it normally is because i think the crowd will be limited um, no matter where you're playing in the big 10. we can talk about that a little bit later but um, it's a young team for Steve Aird. And, you know, Steve is the, the master of motivation. And he certainly is um, making it sound as if this, this team has got some, some tremendous young talent. And um, they graduated a lot of seniors. Remember the squad they had last year that brought in a lot of transfers from, as you mentioned, Power Five conferences from all over the, the U.S., and they didn't finish the way that they wanted to uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, and a lot of those kids are gone, but they have Brianna Edwards, who is uh, their version of Caitlin Newton. You know, just a big, powerful, hard-hitting, tough, uh, no-nonsense kind of a player. And there's, they're one of their setters returns in, uh, in Fitzner. She's highly acclaimed out of California. Brother played basketball for Indiana uh, for maybe one year, maybe two. Um, and then... It's, it's kind of a, a all-freshman class to some degree after that. Uh, they, they do have a transfer in Zumach, who was hurt the last time I heard. She came out of Creighton. But uh, I don't know a lot about a lot of these particular players. And so I'm glad we're not opening up against them. Uh, instead, we'll have a tape from five teams, 10 matches. So I think we'll have enough ammunition to, to be you know, ready for them when we do play the Hoosiers. Eight freshmen headlined by the 59th ranked recruit Layla Blackwell in the middle. Also another middle freshman 
in Savannah Kiodhid. That was a top 80 recruit. But like you said, saying goodbye to a lot of players, Dacia Lofton, Kendall Bierman, Cameron Malloy, Brissack the setter, Huber's in the middle, Lebo in the back row, Cora's in the back row. So a, a whole new slew of, uh, of red and white pinstriped players for Indiana. So after hosting the Hoosiers on Saturday, the 27th of February, Purdue will head to Happy Valley. Another site that I think uh, three years in a row, the Boilermakers have gone to Penn State. Some fun memories over in Happy Valley from two years ago. That'll be March 5th, March 6th against the Nittany Lions who lost in the second round to the national champ Stanford after squeaking by Cincinnati in five in the first round last year. But Russ Rose, 17 and three last year, returning Johnny Parker, but saying goodbye to Kendall White and uh, Tori Gurrell, among a couple others, including uh, the young outside hitter, Allison Cathy. Just so many, so many um, bullets in the chamber there for the outside hitters for Penn State. That's, that's going to be a, that's going to be a fun little trip out there, coach. It hopefully will warm up a little by early March. Few teams in the country compete the way Penn State does. And they have the banners hanging above their facility like nobody else does. And uh, it certainly is a, is a great place to go in and play. Um, but they, they're going to replace some of those people that they lost. And they've got maybe the, maybe the best middle combination. Let's say one of the three best middle hitting combinations in the country with Caitlin Horde out of Lexington and then uh, Serena Gray out of, uh, out of California. And they're both super athletic, just juniors, but they'll be really hard to handle. They'll get a lot of the focus. Jumping Johnny Parker, um, who uh, played with the Muncieana Volleyball Club out of Indiana. She's actually from closer to Dayton, Ohio, but uh, she's, she's a real specimen and blossom. The setter is one of the best uh, ball locators uh, for hitters that there is in, in our league. And then, you know, they've got players coming in that, you know, they're going to have to, you know, work with a couple transfers that they think are going to fill some spots. Uh, Jenna Hampton will fill the libero position, which when I watched our match, we only played them one time last year, Daniel. And I remember talking to you sitting high above the court. Way up there. At Rec Hall. And you really grasp the concept of those banners when you're up there about even with them as they hang from the, the rafters. Yep. They've got a lot of banners in that place. And it's really a, it's really a special place to play. You got to give them credit. Uh, you know, they've earned those banners and uh, it, it's a neat place to play, but they just out defended us a year ago. And uh, certainly it was uh, the, 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 the Indianapolis kid that played libero for them last year. That was just a, a, a spectacle on the floor. And I remember coming back in our first practice that we had after we played Penn State because we were not awful. We did a lot of things the, the way we wanted to do them, but they just dug every ball and we did not dig many balls. And it all came down to that. And we made a point of that, that, you know, you want to beat these kind of teams, you've got to, you got to play defense. You know, we'll be fortunate to have the kind of talent at the net that Penn State has. Okay. I mean, I think that we're, we're right there with them. But they've got the pick of the litter sometimes in recruiting. You know, that's what happens when you win national championships. People want to come and play in that program. But, um, you know, our emphasis this year will, is going to be a lot on defense and making sure that we take that step forward so that we don't get outplayed by anybody when it comes to uh, the defensive side of the ball. And a few notable transfers for Russ Rose, a first-team all-conference outside in Hannah Flowers, a grad transfer from Memphis, also a defensive specialist, Keaton Broughton 
from West Virginia and a familiar face. You know, I was, this was an interesting one to see an Anastasia Kudrashova transferring from Rutgers, big six, four lefty outside to move over from Rutgers to Penn state. So we'll keep an eye on that. Another team that will have uh, plenty of film to go on by the time the March 5th meeting comes. Then the Boilermakers come back home. They face Michigan state on March 12th, March 13th. And the, uh, the Spartans, should be uh, much improved from last year, a six and 14, 15 and 15, but losing nobody coach, um, a couple of their senior setters, nobody really that is, uh, is of note. And they're gaining a pair of really good freshmen, two top 30 recruits in Celia Cullen, a setter to replace the leaving seniors and an outside hitter in Sarah Franklin. Yeah. I don't know much about Franklin um, out of Florida. I haven't seen her. Uh, I do know the setter is, is going to be very, very good. How, you know, how strong she is in her first season of, um, you know, setting the offense will remains to be seen, but you were on hand a year ago, right after a, a nice Thanksgiving meal in East Lansing, a, a, about a, a day later, we played uh, Sparty and uh, had to hang on to win that one in five. Ooh. And if I remember right, Blake was dead to the wind and, uh, you know, couldn't put a ball. I think she had one kill. Blake yep. Moeller, our outstanding middle hitter, all Big Ten performer, had one kill. And that a little bit too much, a little bit too much turkey, coach. And uh, and and we had to rely on, you know, Grace Cleveland and, and a few others. Uh, J.L. Johnson came off the bench and gave us a good performance. And uh, we were just, uh, you know, playing on playing with fumes there down the stretch of the season. That was our final match of the campaign last year before NCAA tournament play. And 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 we knew that Michigan State was going to play as tough. You know, they they're they're long, they're they're athletic. Um, they were a little young a year ago, and uh, but all those all those offensive players are coming back, and they've got a setter that that most likely will be a little more talented than what what they had. So I think Kathy George has been pointing towards you know, these next two seasons um, for a while, and it's not like Michigan State to have two seasons like they've just had uh, back to back. So, uh, you know, we get them here, if I'm correct, Yep. at, at our place. So uh, that, will, that will be a benefit to us to be able to play a, a team that will be fighting for an NCAA bid at that time uh, to get them in, in Holloway Gym. And so a little bit of pinballing, hosting Michigan State, then going to Rutgers, another uh, site that, that we're all too accustomed to, uh, to traveling to in, in that old gym. Rutgers will be a team that does not look anything like the teams that we've seen Rutgers in the last few years, a couple staples uh, said goodbye. Tali Marmon on the outside, Jasmine Stackhouse in the middle, libero Carissa Swackenberg and Marley Veit. And they, they added a couple transfers, one from Auburn, one from UCF and adding four new freshmen after a two win conference season for Rutgers. We'll see if they continue to climb. I, I thought last year they were going to be much more competitive and early in the season they were. Uh, but they, they really faded like a you know, pair of old blue jeans down the stretch. I think they had some internal problems. They had a coaching change. And, uh, but they still have a roster filled full of international players. And um, that, you, know, you would think that that would be a good way to go at Rutgers. They have not been able to recruit the, the, the high-level American um, you know, club players. But uh, they haven't had a lot of success in, in this area either, you know, with, with the uh, foreign athletes. So uh, new coach there, uh, a coach that's been very successful at a, a couple of other stops and uh, she takes the helm and I'm sure we'll bring a, you know, a new light to that program and some enthusiasm and make some changes. 
Uh, the coach had been there for quite a while before, I think maybe 16 seasons. And uh, so now they got a new shooter. And, uh, it, you know, we're going out there, which is never fun. I mean, you get a nice meal there when you go out to uh, Rafferty's. But uh, outside of that, it's, uh, it's like being in a dentist chair most of the night when you go in and play in that facility because you know you've got to win. It's important that you win at Rutgers, but it's never easy. And so the head coach there is Caitlin Schweighoffer. She spent some time with Northeastern women's volleyball after uh, spending five seasons at LaSalle. So she was named the 2018 Atlantic 10 coach of the year. Final two series of the season as we head to Columbus to face what will probably be the, uh, the popular pick amongst pundits to make a run this season in the Big Ten. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that with Ohio State, a team that is I think a little bit older than, than the team they were last year. And they also add a couple of nice freshmen. Yeah, they're probably going to start a senior and then uh, a bunch of sophomores and freshmen. And they've had back-to-back -back top five recruiting classes in the country. Um, those recruits all brought in by Jeff Carlston, who, by the way, is no longer there as the head coach. Um, they have a new head skipper. And uh, yeah, I, I would agree that talent-wise, they have um, all the ammunition necessary to, to move up in the league. They did not make the NCAA tournament a year ago. They finished, where'd they finish in Big Ten? Maybe seven, eight wins? Last season, they were eight and 12. And one of those wins was against Wisconsin. Yep, and mm -hmm. we, had a, we had a fun five-setter. I mean, that, one of the more notable matches of the season up in Columbus. It was a real battle at their place. They had uh, one of their most experienced player was released from concussion protocol 10 minutes before our match. And uh, uh, she's a good player, but uh, they've got a couple of outside hitters that were freshmen a year ago that are going to be even better. Uh, two totally different players. One's a little smaller, but jumps out of the gym and Janasia Moore. That's got a great arm. And then, um, the kid out of um, Gabby Gonzalez, Georgia, I believe. Gabby Gonzalez is again, you know, kind of like Caitlin Newton, uh, just hits a heavy ball and has no fear and has good range. But, uh, you know, they were playing a couple different setters a year ago, and I think they'll probably settle on one, and that will be a taller setter. But they have two outstanding, I mean, they got more than two outstanding freshmen, but I think the two freshmen we're going to see on the floor is Riley Rader who I was always impressed with as a club player out of Louisville, Kentucky. And then uh, Londot, uh, yeah, Emily, Emily Londot, yep. From uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, played for Mittenet. And those two are very physical, very talented, and they're gonna find a way on the floor. Londot probably play on the opposite. Radar joins Witty in the middle, the two we talked about on the left side, a great uh, libero uh, who's the, the daughter of a, a friend of mine uh, Scott Murr is my my buddy from Muncie, and uh, Kylie Murr is the libero that uh, is is a lot of fun to watch. So, and then they got great depth. They got a lot of players, a good roster. So, um, I don't think you're too far off the mark. Where a lot of people would be watching them closely, expecting them to make a move, but they still have a lot of youth on the roster, and the league is very very good. But we look forward to going back to that what I think is the best volleyball venue in the league. I, I just, I mean, we got there last year and played that one match and they had just opened that building. It's for wrestling and volleyball, but volleyball trains there. Wrestling has their own workout room adjacent to um, uh, the, the, the venue, the, the actual court, but it's, it's the ideal place to play about 3000, uh, maybe a little bit more than 3000. 
uh, all the bells and whistles. It's just a tremendous volleyball facility. So hats off to Ohio State for doing it right. And, um, you know, I look forward to going back over there. I've always enjoyed my trips to Ohio State since I was about three years old when I went with my dad over there with the Ball State Cardinals playing uh, the Buckeyes in men's volleyball. So that's always a, a favorable trip for, for myself. So that's the penultimate matchup of the uh, season and then a pair against good old Fighting Illini, April 2nd, April 3rd at home to finish the season. And coach, why does it always feel like it comes down to a match against Illinois and coach Thomas to maybe decide whether it's a seeding or a trip to the NCAA tournament? Once again, we've got it here in the early April. Well, fortunately, it didn't come down to that last year. No, we started uh, with them last year. Yep. They beat us. They beat us last year when we had to play without Blake. Uh, Blake did not play in that. Well, she started, I think, but she had turned her ankle the night before, and, and she just couldn't do anything, so she played about two points. And uh, in, in a match that was kind of back and forth, we ended up losing to uh, Illinois, who I don't think uh, – they did make the tournament. They barely got in the tournament last year, and they actually played, I think – Utah. Yeah, they lost in five in Provo out to Utah. Utah was tougher than nails. So Illinois, you know, just an indication of how good the league was. They barely make the NCAA tournament, probably the, the seventh team from our league to get in and uh, almost uh, blow up Utah, who eventually went to the Sweet 16 uh, before losing a really tough match to Stanford. Maybe the Elite Eight. They went to the Elite Eight last year before losing to Stanford. But let's talk about Illinois first. Um, but Illinois, it's a great rivalry. I mean, I have tremendous respect for Chris Thomas and the people that are coaching over there. Um, I think Purdue and Illinois are a lot alike as far as universities. Uh, they have, uh, you know, the name, the state name, which I think uh, benefits them because everybody in the state of Illinois wants to go to the University of Illinois. Um, but uh, they'll, they'll be young. They, they lost, uh, you know, uh, some pretty good offensive players. But uh, they got some good talent. Their, their, their middles last year were, were athletic as all get out. And, but they were just young. And again, they beat us a year ago. So uh, to have to uh, you know, knock them off twice down the stretch. But again, those two will be at our place. Uh, but, but so was the one last year. Yep. That was, I think, only three losses we had at home last year. Illinois early, uh, Minnesota. Minnesota and... Um, that might have been it. That could have been it. Let's see. Home schedule last year, 15 and two, it. coach. Yep, 15 and two. Just lost two, but one was Illinois. So um, th those are great rivalries, and it's always great because normally we pack the place, whether we play here or there, kind of like with Indiana um, in Bloomington, but that won't be the same this year. And, and that's one of the things that will be unique, and, and you've watched college basketball enough to see that the benches, the teams that have um, their reserve players, the kids not in the game, that are so into it. And Maryland basketball is the one that really is, has done a great job with this. They're playing over their heads because their bench is generating so much enthusiasm for their team uh, that it's making a difference. And I, I think that um, your bench is gonna have to, to, to do something special. And, and you know, we don't have a huge bench, but we got 17 players on our roster this year. So those 11 that are not in the game at that time, um, they, they've got to be the block party, if you will, uh, because the block party isn't going to be there this year in Holloway Gym, unfortunately. Yeah, Illinois always seems to travel well. They have that disguised uh, fan group that I, I'm sure will not be uh, making the trip this year, barring some crazy changes between now and April. But the Fighting Illini will wrap it up here. We'll have to replace some big names. Jacqueline Quaid, 
two-time All-American Beth Prince on the outside from Indy, Ashlyn Fleming in the middle, libero Morgan O'Brien, and defensive specialist Caroline Welsh. It'll probably be a lot on the shoulders of the senior Megan Cooney, who we've seen play very well against the Boilermakers, a couple top 100 recruits as well for Illinois. Could be seeing them by the end of the year, depending on how the cookie crumbles. But coach, that's our schedule. That's our season. We're going to meet again to kind of break down some preseason previews about the Boilermakers. We didn't talk too much about the black and gold. So we'll make sure to talk about the scrimmages. Any questions that you Purdue fans have that you want me to ask coach for the next episode, go ahead and send it to us. You can tweet at me at Daniel Gilman, G-I-L-L-M-A-N, or just tweet at Purdue VB. Thank you so much, coach, for joining us once again. Glad you had a happy new year and cannot wait for January 22nd. Well, Daniel, Daniel, we appreciate uh, the job that you're doing and um, fans need to know that uh, you did just ink a new contract to come back. Uh, you're not in West Lafayette right now, as I can see on a Zoom call. Our listeners can't see that. but No, uh, I got nice palm trees behind me. Amidst palm trees and sunny <laughs> skies right now. And uh, we had a little winter wonderland hit us uh, the past couple of days. But uh, happy to have you back and, and looking forward to the 22 matches that will be Big Ten Volleyball this season and what will come after that. And it, it's just a great time and the excitement that we have now that our players are back and, and full, full throttle going at it in the gym. Uh, we're getting ready to practice here in just, just a few minutes. So I'll step out from my office and go over there to, for a 12-15 start time. And, uh, but we'll be ready to go and look forward to talking to you sometime soon. Great life, Coach. Thank you so much. He's Dave Shondell. I'm Daniel Gilman. And this is Dig City, a Purdue Volleyball Podcast.